That's one of the exciting things about what we're doing is that our advocacy feeds our research, our research feeds our clinical care, our clinical care feeds our advocacy, and they all work together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Connecting ALS. I am your host, Jeremy Holden. I uh, hope you all had a nice holiday, and by the way, Happy New Year. Well, as we mentioned in our last episode of 2021, the ALS community wrapped up that year with a big win on the advocacy front when President Joe Biden signed the Act for ALS Act into law on December 23rd. It was a testament to the tenacity and power of ALS advocates across the country who reached out to members of Congress more than 30,000 times through phone calls, letters, in-person meetings, and via social media. And hopefully it's just a sign of things to come, pushing for better public policies in 2022. Joining me to discuss all things advocacy this week is Dr. Neil Thacker, Chief Mission Officer for the ALS Association. Uh, Neil, thanks so much for being with us again this week. Thank you, Jeremy, and, and Happy New Year to you as well. You're, you're right. This Act for ALS law, this new law, is a huge victory for us. I'm really excited. I know we're all excited over here. So many people have worked so, so hard to get this passed. Uh, this is something we've been working on uh, for a couple of years now, working hard to get the bill crafted in a way that was acceptable to lots of different people in Congress. And we hit a delicate balance that worked, uh, worked really well. And as you said, we had a remarkable outcome here. Yeah, it, re it really was. And I know there's a lot of excitement. And of course, as a lot of listeners know, and, and something we've talked about when, when bills are signed into law, just in fact, just a year ago, when uh, the SSDI bill was signed into law, enactment is the next step and implementing that law through a lot of different administrative rulemaking and appropriation. So a lot of conversations to happen down the road and something we'll be keeping an eye on here and, and, and discussing as that moves forward. But Neil, we're here at the beginning of January, which is traditionally a time Time of planning the year ahead, making resolutions. So with that in mind, I'm sure the advocacy team is putting together their to-do list for 2022. Uh, what are some of the key fights that we should be looking at on the horizon? Well, one of the first key things is related to the Act for ALS, because that law was passed, which authorizes the government, gives the government uh, permission to do certain things, but it doesn't give the government money to do things. And as you know, they need the money to fund the expanded access, to fund the research, to do the things we need to do to get therapies to everyone with ALS as quickly as possible, which is the intent of the law. And so that, that law has provisions in it for funding for five years, starting with this current fiscal year where, where we've begun, fiscal year 22. Now, through a quirk of the system, we haven't, the federal government hasn't actually passed a budget for the fiscal year we're in, FY22. They're running a little late, which means we have an opportunity to get funding for this bill for this year to get the money started. And so that's something we're working on that's going to be a big push for us in the next few weeks is to get funding for this law. And once we get the funding, we still have uh, lots of questions about what the actual rules will be, what the process will be, how a drug company or a clinical trial site can apply for funding to support an expanded access program, how the research components of the bill will work and how people can apply for those components. So it's, it's just too early to know how a person with ALS can get access, expanded access under this bill. 
or to participate in a clinical trial uh, through this bill, several steps have to happen. But as I said, that funding for this new law, that's that's one of our immediate priorities. And we're we're working through with people in Congress and with the administration to figure out the pathway. So we'll have a lot more to say about that over the next few weeks. The next thing you asked me about, what are our priorities in general uh, for the next uh, fiscal year? And it's really three things. It's finding a way for the federal government to help the ALS community, to help people with ALS, to help all of our clinicians and scientists find new treatments and cures. And the Act for uh, ALS is is part of that, uh, to help us find new treatments and cures. Uh, The other major focus is to make the best, to optimize the treatments and cures that we have, uh, to make sure that as many people as possible, to make sure everyone can uh, get multidisciplinary care, the the evidence-based care we know can extend life for the treatments that have already been approved and for the treatments we hope will be approved very soon, to make sure people can get those treatments on time, safely, affordably, without putting their their financial health or their physical health at risk. And then um, the final big part of what we're trying to do is to reduce the harms of ALS, uh, to prevent them, to avoid them, or to even avoid the disease itself altogether. Uh, We know some people carry risk for ALS because of their genetic background. We know some people have uh, exposures that may put them at risk for ALS. For example, veterans are at higher risk for ALS. And so we need to figure out that science, figure out why people are at risk, and then find out ways to intervene uh, to stop that. And the government has a role to play in all three of those those big aims that we're doing. We talk about the government, and oftentimes, uh, I've said it before, we think about the government in Washington, D.C., certainly very important. But one of the things, Neil, I feel like I've been hearing more about, and, and maybe it's, it's just because I've only now started paying attention to this aspect of advocacy. And I know we talked about this on this show when we discussed how, the role that governors have in taking down barriers to access to telehealth across state lines. But I guess state houses and, and the fights at the state level what what role does that play moving forward into 2022? Yeah, that's that's also a great point, Jeremy. And another place where the ALS advocacy community has has done some really exciting stuff. And in in several states, people with ALS have worked with their state governments to get funding for ALS clinics for ALS services, and that's really important because those clinics are the gateway to the highest quality of care that's available as well as a gateway to to research and to expanded access to experimental drugs. And so we need to do more of that. And we have plans to expand the association's ability to support state advocacy that I'm very excited about. You you also mentioned telemedicine and telehealth. And one thing we've learned from the pandemic is it's possible to deliver quite a bit of high-quality care over the internet through telephone, through video chat. And we want to make sure that doesn't go away. So part of our our federal agenda, part of our effort to make sure we can optimize treatments and cures that we have and get everyone access to the best care possible is to support legislation to make telemedicine more more realistic in the long term for everyone. And so that's something we we plan to continue to work on. We'll be also working on ways to help people get access to broadband if that's a challenge for them. That aspect is, is so crucial. It's not enough to have a great science and great treatment and great neurologists, we have to get people to those services or bring those services to people where they are. 
you see, as you lay it out, I can see how it all comes together. The advocacy working to support access to clinical care, which we discussed last week. Next week, we're going to be talking a little bit about what's on the horizon in research, and you see how the advocacy is working toward that and how it overlaps with the, some of the, the clinical care that's out there. So it really is kind of a holistic approach, even if we talk about it in different buckets of work. That's right. That's one of the exciting things about what we're doing is that our advocacy feeds our research, our research feeds our clinical care, our clinical care feeds our advocacy, and they all work together. And that's the other exciting part about working with this community is we have people who are participating in research and receiving the clinical care who are our most powerful advocates. And the fact that their their voice is being heard uh, is just, you know, it makes sense. And it's nice to see when, when things are, are working and we're starting to see successes. Well, hopefully the advocates listening at home are energized and ready for the, for the fights ahead. Uh, Dr. Thacker, thanks again for your time this week. Thank you, Jeremy. Well, I mentioned at the top that ALS advocates were instrumental in the fight for enactment of the Act for ALS Act, and you don't have to just take my word for it. Back in November, after the bill passed the House, I had an opportunity to talk to Representative Mike Quigley of Illinois, one of the chief sponsors and main advocates behind that bill, about the power of ALS advocacy. And it's a conversation worth revisiting as we gear up for those fights on the horizon. Well, Representative Quigley, we really want to thank you for your time this week and all the work that you've been doing. But uh, thanks for joining us on Connecting ALS. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, very exciting news with the uh, forward movement on Act for ALS. Uh, I want to kick things off. Uh, you've been such a prominent leader in this fight. So, so how do you see this legislation impacting people living with the disease, living with the disease today, and, and those who may be diagnosed uh, down the road? Yeah, and look, I, I got to start off with what you said. Yesterday was a historic day for all those concerned with neurodegenerative diseases and particularly ALS. Yesterday, the Committee on Energy and Commerce's Health Subcommittee unanimously advanced act for ALS. Uh, this is big news. So we'll get to the thank yous later, but this, this moves the ball. This is a transformative moment uh, that we can all be proud of. So you know, why it matters is uh, the act for ALS would help ALS uh, patients and others suffering from neurodegenerative diseases uh, to gain access to promising treatments that have already completed their early trials, but they haven't yet been approved by the FDA. It would also bring together experts from health and human services, patient advocates, drug sponsors, and researchers uh, to drive the conversation forward on ALS treatment. And finally, it's gonna create a new program, the Rare Neurodegenerative Disease Grant Program to advance research ideas for ALS and other uh, such diseases. So it's, uh, it's very ambitious, but we know that nearly one in 300 people suffer from ALS, they're impacted by ALS. And those diagnosed typically have you know, no more than three years to live before the disease takes their lives. That's about 300,000 Americans who need access to new cutting edge treatments that can improve or save their lives. When you called for a vote on the bill just a few weeks ago, you mentioned that it was, if I remember correctly, you mentioned that it was the bill with the most number of co-sponsors that had yet to move forward, yet to be passed. What made you think, given everything that's going on, all the, all the activity in Congress, exciting times, uh, why was now the time to call for action? You know, I think you struck on it a little bit there. 
as polarized as our country is, as, as difficult as it is to get anything done, I think it should give us pause and make us feel pretty good that something as important as this has 326 co-sponsors in the House from across the political spectrum. These are people who don't normally work and play well together. <laughs> but because of this and its importance, they have. So there's no better time to move forward, right? It's not going to get easier later on. Uh, and, you know, this, this, despite the fact that this passed the subcommittee uh, unanimously yesterday in advance to the full committee, this has been very difficult. So I, I'm not about tempting the fates. Um, sure. It's time to move forward. Uh, all sorts of things can happen to delay legislation, and I want to get it done while we have a window. Yeah, you talk about that window, and, and you, you, know, you mentioned it was a unanimous vote in the subcommittee. Uh, wh what do we make of that in terms of any type of momentum going forward? And, and, and where does the bill go from here? You mentioned the full committee, and we've all seen sure. the Schoolhouse Rocks video of how a bill becomes to law, but can you just walk us through next steps? Yeah, you know, the charts of how a bill becomes a law are somewhat antiseptic and idealistic. There's a lot going on behind the scenes, and you know, I'm very proud of the advocates I am ALS and the ALS Association uh, have just done a masterful job moving forward. And we, we should be very thankful to Chairwoman Anna Eshoo for her unyielding support for this. Uh, she chaired yesterday's hearing. It moved forward. We also heard from Congressman Curtis and Ranking Member McMorris Rogers for help on this. So uh, thanks to them, as well as Chairman of the Full Committee, Frank Pallone. So, you know, now it goes to Chairman Malone's full committee. We were told that a full committee markup on yesterday's measures should happen before Thanksgiving. And oh, wow. I can't think of a more appropriate day to celebrate a victory on something so important as we look back and are appreciative and grateful that this would, this would make Thanksgiving a little more special. And then there's really nothing that stops this bill with this many co-sponsors and unanimous support that we've built uh, in the subcommittee from getting a full vote and passing out of the House uh, before the end of the year. Uh, I don't count my chickens. We're going to stay on it. I encourage the advocates to continue their work, but there's a window to get this out of the House by the end of the year. That's great news, and I'm sure that's going to be exciting for folks listening at home to hear. You you mentioned advocates and and uh, you know encouraging them to stay engaged. What is the message for them? I I know that much like the drug development process, the legislative process can seem slow and you know at times frustrating for people who are waiting for action. But you know what can advocates do to stay engaged and to kind of add urgency to to the process? You know I think they stay in touch with the members of the House that they have been communicating with. And if they haven't, <laughs> uh, start that conversation. And I think one of the reasons we do that is there's always going to be another bill. There's always going to be more that needs to be done. You know, if I were to look forward and look to a day when we have passed this legislation, I assure you that there'll be other measures that matter as much, including appropriations, funding this, these grant programs as time goes on, and the critical research that needs to take place. So, you know, don't stop advocating ever. 
agitate, 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 because those relationships matter, you know, with the staff and the members and the people who work in the executive branch, those relationships matter. The communication that goes back forth and back and forth matters. And you don't want to call people for the first time when you want to ask for something, you want to have a relationship. And then, of course, I think the fact that we have gotten past some very difficult policy hurdles with the agencies, I think there's opportunities to move the Senate along quicker than we might have thought. So uh, I suspect that that would be where folks would go after this starting today. We are fortunate to have a companion bill this year in the Senate led by Senator Coons and Murkowski and support is building there. Get on them, your senators, and let them know why this matters. And we can share some links in the show notes for people who uh, want to engage in that advocacy or sign up to become an advocate if they're not already. Representative Quigley, before we let you go about the busy work of your day, uh, any closing thoughts for, uh, for folks listening at home who are excited about this progress and, and looking forward to continuing the fight forward? You know, I think it should give folks hope, that, but hope, while it's the most important thing, isn't enough. We, we've got to get things done. So, you know, when this began for me uh, with the ALS Association's Ice Bucket Challenge, I was playing hockey and on a rink, I had both teams dump 20 ice buckets on me. You can guess I got woken up to do something. You know, we started something smaller. This is a model, right? Uh, we doubled the research dollars the Pentagon was putting toward ALS. Two years ago, it was 10. We took it to 20 and then from 20 to 40. And that's, that's what we're funding again this year. And I'm fortunate enough to call, you know, Brian Wallach, a friend, his team at IMLS brought to the issue to my staff, you know, about three years ago and been working on it ever since. So this is a good day. It, it shows that, you know, passion and thought behind an issue, you know, almost anything is possible. Even a couple months ago, I was concerned <clears throat> with our ability to get this done. But uh, with perseverance, anything's possible. And I'm just proud to be associated with the advocates and my staff. And, and I'm, again, I have to say I'm very grateful to Chairman Pallone and Anna Eshoo and all those on a bipartisan basis, Jeff Fortenberry on the Republican side, to move this forward. Much work remains for advocates and for you all on the Hill. So uh, once again, really appreciate your time today and uh, your work in fighting for people living with ALS. We keep moving. Thank you. I want to thank our guest co-host this week, Dr. Neil Thacker, Chief Mission Officer at the ALS Association. Thanks again to Representative Quigley for his time back in November. And thanks to you for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend to check it out and make sure to rate and review Connecting ALS wherever you listen to podcasts. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar, post-production by Garrett Tiedemann, production management by Gabriela Montekin, supervised by David Hoffman. That is going to do it for this week's episode. We'll connect with you again soon. <music>